The Welsh Wire, where talent and business connect in West Michigan. The Welsh Wire features moderator Mike Rogers and professional recruiting expert Sherry Welsh in this weekly podcast. Listen in as leaders from a wide array of small to mid-sized West Michigan companies weigh in and share their experiences and insights on a variety of business topics, including employee retention challenges and recruitment success stories. Hi, this is Mike Rogers with another great Welsh Wire conversation. Now, here's Sherry Welsh. Good day and welcome back to the Welsh Wire. We are glad you joined us today. Sherry Welsh, your host from Welsh and Associates. And today we are doing our podcast, co-producing our podcast with our friends at the Family Business Alliance. This is part of our Right Sizing Risk series. Um, We've been talking about right-sizing risk with various guests over the past year, and today we have back our guest, Paul McCarthy, who's a shareholder with Rhodes McKee. Paul, welcome back once again to the Welsh Wire. Good morning. Hi, Sherry. Thank you for having me. So glad to have you here again. Last time we were together, we talked with Paul um, about divorce within the family-owned business, and um, he really helped us with some great tips and ideas about how to protect the family business in the event that the unexpected happens. I mean, that's what it's all about with right-sizing risk. Paul's had a lot of experience with right-sizing risk for, um, for companies. He's been a commercial trial lawyer with Rhodes McKee for about 29 years. So, Paul, you've seen a lot, have you not? I've seen a lot, yes. I'm kind of a frustrated finance guy. Sherry, when I went to law school, I did a buy one, get one half off and uh, uh, earned my MBA with my law degree. So, um, and I've undertaken coursework and study in business valuation. And so my practice really is focused on helping, helping businesses and helping shareholders um, with, with issues that involve the value of their companies. Um, And so that has taken me through lots of different contexts in and uh, uh, business uh, consulting roles or advisory roles and, and a lot of, uh, uh, unfortunately, litigation yeah. when uh, the shareholders can't figure it out and the courts have to intervene to, to help them. Yeah, and, and that's what we're talking about today, to, to try to help our listeners avoid, right, to mitigate that risk. Um, and, and you nailed it. I mean, th- that's, this is what your role is all about when, when things go bad, Right. When human That's relationships right. and people that run great companies um, start to break down. And what we're going to talk about today is shareholder squabbles. When the fam is not getting along, when the shareholders are at odds, right? This is more than just a political fight at the Thanksgiving Day table. Well, that, and that's not that's not helping, though. <laughs> right? And that happens, too, right? But uh, but. There are shareholder squabbles that, and I'm sure you can tell some stories. So, Paul, tell us a little bit about some of the forces at work um, and where things can go bad with shareholders. Yeah, so th- there are really two forces at work uh, that that interplay in shareholder squabbles, and one is the human condition, mm-hmm. and that is how do we how do we relate with one another. Um, how are we getting along inside the business? Um, and what are those relationships doing as between 
uh, imperfect people um, who then need to make business decisions. And then the other force is your force of your corporate governance and how have you planned and how are you how are you managing your business? So um, we can kind of walk through those two different forces. The, the first one, you know, the, the human condition element. Um, uh, and, and the other, the other podcast we've done is on the divorce setting. And I'll tell you in my, in my experience, the, the, um, uh, emotional, uh, the extent of the emotional turmoil in a divorce case where you're divorcing a spouse is really no different than the emotional turmoil between warring shareholders, um, commonly who have built a company together. Yeah. It, it is, it is among the, the, just the, the hottest of emotional roller coasters these people will go through. Um, and, and sometimes it's in a family business and sometimes it's, it's not, um, in family business, uh, a category of kind of a frequent flyer of trouble, uh, that I've helped people through relates one in one fashion or another to succession problems. Um, and so you might have an example where um, dad started the business and dad is succeeding the business to um, his sons. Um, and, and then, but he's really not. And he's really retaining the control and you're creating a board, but your board members don't really have authority. Um, uh, and, and so kind of succession issues can be one, one form where I've, I've helped um, a, a number of shareholders and frankly, I've helped some companies in that, in that setting too. Yeah. That's gotta um, be really tricky. Wow. It, it, it can be. Um, and the other thing that, that I think is a really significant challenge for family business is to separate the family from the business. Mm. Which, so which the, we all, as family business owners, we all try to do, we all think that we do that, but we probably don't do that very well. You'd be surprised how many businesses I, I come into, into contact with because the business has now succeeded. It's gone from one generation to the next, but it's, it's gone from one generation to the next through parents, right? So yeah. and it's now to the kids. And what do we do as parents? Do we treat our kids what? Equally, right? So the kids hold the same amount of shares. And even though they have vastly different roles in the company, how are they paid? Equally. I see it all the time. Um, and, and that has, I, I just, uh, in the last couple of years, helped a shareholder who could absolutely not see straight because that was so upsetting to that shareholder because the 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 role of the of the family members was so dramatically different mm. the hours invested the leadership the direction of the company the generation of business and and yet they were both paid the same amount and the parents insisted on it and and your employment rights are really different if you think about it as a bushel basket of rights your employment bushel basket of rights is different than your bushel basket of rights as a shareholder. Right. So the first, the first order of business for, for companies and a lot of family help family um, owned businesses get over this hurdle is we're a business. We're also family members, but 
our roles in the business are going to be, they're going to be suited to our strengths. Um, if we're not good in a role, we're not going to be in the role. Uh, we're going to be paid fair market uh, compensation for our contribution because that's what we earn as employees is compensation yeah. that is commensurate with our value to the company. And, and there is um, market-based compensation can be determined by any third-party consultant and they can figure that out. Now, right. shareholders, shareholders then receive, uh, if there's going to be a distribution from the company, then that can be done um, pro rata in accordance with their ownership. But that's a different distinct, I mean, that's a different right. That's your yeah. ownership right, distinct from your employment rights. But um, that has caused a lot of problems uh, in, in, in companies. I just, I've had two in the recent, in the recent past um, where these hard charging really go getter, go, go get them um, owners are being treated uh, the same as someone who's doing 15 hours of uh, bookkeeping uh, a week. And it just drives them bonkers. Well, yeah. And rightly so. I, I mean, yes. Yeah. And, and rightly so. So you're suggesting there's some, there really are some ways to do that by some good agreements up front. That, that's right. And, and I think just some good planning. So yes. uh, it's, it's really rare to, to see a family held family owned business succeed to even the third generation. I think in the country, there are, there are 20, there are fewer than 25 family held businesses in the fifth generation. So the, 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 yeah. the further you go out in your generations, the more likely it is that this business is not going to um, continue. So real planning right. has to be put in place in order to educate, you know, so if you have a mature family, held business, maturing or uh, educating that next generation with respect to here's how we do this. Here's how our roles are going to be. Um, uh, that that can certainly be be helpful to creating a business mindset, not a family mindset in the business itself. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, you make the point that, um, you know, your competition doesn't care that your family, you've said that before, they, they really don't care. They, they want to come after you. Yeah, your your competition wants to eat you for lunch. So they're hoping that you have some internal squabbles and that your your leadership team can't focus because they're angry uh, at their at their brother or their sister. And let me say, as anyone who's I mean, I grew up in a in a in a large family with lots of siblings. Um, and and your sibling slights, they're never forgotten. <laughs> I mean, oh they, yeah, they are never forgotten. That will they will be they will be carried for their entire life. The the parent who you were always smarter, or you were always this, or you were always they that it never goes away. <laughs> so, right, <laughs> right, right. And any of that craziness, right? Basically, it, it's knocking you off of your game as an organization from being the very best that you can be in your market and in your space. And That's right. you're absolutely right. That's giving your competition an opportunity to just absolutely eat your lunch. That's um, right. You have, um, you, you've also suggested that it's a good idea sometimes to bring in outsiders. Absolutely. Talk about that absolutely. a little bit, Paul. I, I encourage uh, my clients to not shy away from um, uh, bringing in outsiders for a, a variety of things. Um, and, and of course, that's always pushing up against the business's uh, 
disinterest in spending money that they don't need to spend necessarily. So for example, uh, if, if you are interested in, in having a drill down on what your business is worth, then engage a business valuation person to come in and help you understand uh, how are you stacking up against your industry peer group? Uh, are your ratios consistent with them? Are, do you have something that is out of, out of sync, either positively or negatively, that can help um, identify something for your management team? And then the same is true for purposes of um, determining compensation and um, qualifications for positions. Um, and then thirdly, uh, uh, there are a, a variety of different kinds of consultants for kind of smoothing over um, or counseling, if you will, the family relationships to harmonize them so that the business uh, can succeed um, and that those relationships can be positive. Yeah, yeah, that, that's great advice. So there are some things that you can do in your family business to mitigate this risk on your own, right? I mean, really, you talk about operating with that business mindset, um, you know, not, not letting those family issues really weaken who you are um, and bring in consultants when necessary, bring in outsiders to your management team, possibly um, really reviewing your pay structure and those kind of things. But at the end of it all, it sounds like really good corporate governance is sort of the, the what ties us all up nice and neatly with a bow. It, is that correct? That's right. So your corporate governance is... Um, commonly addressed in, in this situation through uh, an operating agreement or a shareholder agreement. Um, uh, that, that, but that puts in place your guardrails and your bumpers to keep everything on the road, right? So there you go. Yeah, um, if, that's right. if, there's, if there's turmoil, if there's a dispute, then what? Um, we would then have filled in a, an alternative dispute um, uh, resolution provision. Um, that frankly is just requiring good human behavior um, and, and and conscientious, you know, adult decision making. So that so that absolutely you don't here's the people... rules we're going to live by, right? right? I mean, here's a so, here's what we uh, agree to abide by as we as we work and live together. Yep, that's right. And so a lot of those things can be addressed in a shareholder agreement. Um, but the biggest thing is this distinction between family and business, the business needs a business mindset. Um, and if, if the family relationship is allowed to take into the business um, uh, and the business, the business can get off track and those relationships can then um, become more problematic. And, and as an example, sometimes you see businesses uh, uh, whether they're run cleanly or kind of sloppily. And by that, I mean, are your business expenses just your business expenses, or is there a bunch of sludge going through your your profit and loss statement, your general ledger? Um, because it, I've seen situations where if there's sludge running through there, then there then there becomes competition between the family members. Then there's there's trouble between the family members because so and so is doing this and running that through, and then it just becomes a a, a, a real problem. Um, I had to try to figure that out for a family where they were running really a lot of junk through there. Um, and so the, the most important point is have a business mindset, your family members, yeah. but you're running a business. You're not running a family at the business. Um, keep right. your family members um, 
uh, keep those issues out, but but um, your corporate governance documents needs to put in place your guardrails to for good behavior to ensure you don't end up in court. Because in Michigan, the other thing is that Michigan has pretty robust shareholder rights, um, as distinct from some other states. So you you want to make sure that you're addressing those issues, and you can do that very effectively through. Um, a shareholder agreement where people agree to have the, these certain rights, these certain responsibilities, mm-hmm. and then, you know, certain, again, guardrails to good behavior and ensuring that they have a dispute resolution provision or a deadlock, something that breaks deadlock or compulsory buyouts uh, to, to ensure that the business won't end up in jeopardy. Right. Right. That I mean, that is exactly what you need to hold it all together because things go bad. I mean, they just do. I'm sure you've seen both sides. I'm sure you've seen, I mean, you're a trial lawyer, so clearly you've seen some issues yes. um, where it, it's it's really come off the rails. But I bet, Paul, you've also seen plenty of examples where good corporate governance and good business practices have helped mitigate through some really difficult squabbles. Can you share an example of a time where you saw that happen? So, um, yeah, what the, the, the key to that is a single word, and that's collaboration. Uh, and if you, I love it. If you have people who are willing to collaborate, um, if they're willing to listen, if they're willing to step into someone else's shoes and see the viewpoint doesn't mean they're necessarily going to agree to the viewpoint, but will they see it? Um, I, I, if you, if you can, if you can cultivate that in business and, um, that's the key to resolving those, um, prickly pairs that will occur. And they're, they're, they're going to occur. You are going to disagree about certain circumstances and certain things. Um, and if you can consider the other person's viewpoint, come together as a management group, um, and then uh, once your decision is made, there are no more dissenting votes. Uh, yeah. that, that's, that's, that's kind of the, bre- the, the source of discord is that th- the business decides on something. They've done it through their board. They've done it appropriately. And then you have someone out there you know, causing trouble because they didn't get their way. Um, And and it's just breeding again, breeding that culture where we, we, we make the, we, we make decisions as a unit, as a team Mm -hmm. and whatever those decisions are, we back. Yeah, no, I, you know, I love that. I think that's excellent advice for our listeners. I mean, building a collaborative culture in your organization is important for so many different reasons, Right. It's just, it's a good foundational business practice and way of operating to to have that collaborative culture. But now you're talking about the importance of that when it comes to family members and shareholder squabbles about how that, it becomes even more important here. I mean, what I think you're saying is, look at, if you're collaborative, it's not a question of if the fights are going to happen and the disagreements, it's when. If you have a style of being collaborative in the way you operate, you will get through this safely and securely without uh, a lot of deep wounds being inflicted in individuals or in the business, correct? That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. 
So great advice you've given our listeners. Anything else that you might want to add, Paul, that we haven't chatted about yet, but this has been terrific. <clears throat> it's just the, the remaining open-minded yeah. for bringing in outsiders to help you uh, with your business and with that family dynamic, uh, including in the worst, not necessarily the worst case scenario, but when those relationships start to fray, yeah. when you feel that strain, that's when you act. You don't, you don't act when those, the strain has turned to tear and mm. rupture, Br- bring in help and address the human condition um, very early on and, and, and do it through an outsider because your relationship is strained for a reason. And that is because you're the two of you or the three of you or the four of you aren't managing it well together. Yeah. Great advice. Terrific advice. This has been a wonderful conversation. We've been talking with Paul McCarthy. Paul is a shareholder at Rhodes McKee in Grand Rapids. He's got 29 years of experience as a commercial trial lawyer and knows a little bit about mitigating risk. And we've been talking today about intercompany shareholder squabbles and how to really put a lid on that risk. And Paul, you have given our listeners some terrific advice on how to do that. If they have further questions, um, just want to chat with you about this a little bit more or, you know, just, just pick your brain a little bit. What's the best way for them to reach you, Paul? Sure, Sherry. My email is McCarthy at RhodesMcKee.com, R-H-O-A-D-E-S-M-C-K-E-E.com, or my phone number is 233-5133, and we're available on, our information is available on the website, too. So thank you so much for having me. It's been a, a fun discussion. Oh, thank you for joining us on the Welsh Wire, Paul. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to The Welsh Wire. We hope you'll join us for the next episode. For more information, visit welshandassociates.net.